Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion on this beautiful May morning. Our subject today is Everlasting Punishment, and we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. We're so glad you could join us this morning. And we will start with our morning prayer. One of the prayers, Mrs. Eddie Gaze, the student, on page 62 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. Study the Bible constantly, daily, and dear one, pray. Ask the divine love every day to give you all that the Lord's Prayer inculcates. Go alone by yourself one half hour every morning and ask God good, thy kingdom come. Ask to establish the reign of honesty, peace, and purity in your consciousness and to overthrow and cast out all that is unlike the Christ love. Ask to forgive those that wrong you even as God forgives you and see how this must be for you to reflect God. Ask for deliverance from temptation. Ask for patience, meekness, peace. And so may the grace of God be with you. That's beautiful. Thank you. What a beautiful prayer. All right, our watching point. All right. Watch number 430. Watch lest you yield to the temptation to look at yourself humanly as such a hopeless specimen of a sinner that you see no good to yourself or anyone else. Once Mrs. Eddy wrote, quote, do not look to matter to tell you your success, but look up for your harvest is right at hand. You know the Father's love. Trust it. Then when you hear a whisper, now you are a sinner and -and so-and-so is your punishment, this suffering is the consequence. Put it out. Put it out. Animal magnetism says you are a sinner when you know you are not. Then empty your thought of fear and say, I look to God, my Father, to see what I am. He alone can tell me of myself. The man who has done wrong must acknowledge that wrong in order to be healed. He must say, the animal magnetism which I have allowed to use me is the sinner, and I have a duty to perform in destroying the hold I have permitted it to have on me. I have permitted a lie to represent me, and I must pay the price. But the lie is the sinner and not me. I will watch more carefully in the future to be sure that I do not let animal magnetism represent me, the image and likeness of God. In science, we should let animal magnetism take the punishment for sin, and we should escape that punishment by escaping from animal magnetism. But man, as the perfect child of God, should never admit that he is a sinner. Thank you. <clears throat> and comments on that? Well, I looked up the word hold because it said that, um, that we had a duty to destroy the hold that we permitted it. And I thought it was interesting because it was like you had possession of it or it would keep you back or grasp. And so it's really doesn't happen if you unless you allow it thank you yeah that's why you don't you know they say the christians say a foothold yeah. on a toehold foothold thank you stronghold and that it does sometimes seem like it's a stronghold so you shouldn't let it get that far but it'll keep you back from what you need to do so it's holding you back from being the expression and Mrs. Eddy says that Christian science and divine love is omnipotent, 
It is indeed adequate to unclasp the hold and to destroy sin, disease, and death. Jeremy? An old theology would, I mean, this is directly opposite the old theology. Old theology would make you feel like you're, it's like blasphemy to, to say you're not a sinner. <laughs> you right. That's exactly so, right. And listening to this, this is old theology that's talking to you when it tells you these things. And that's why she says, put it out. <laughs> you can't be nice to that voice. It's the tormentor, and it will torment you day and night if you don't put it out. This is what would have happened to Paul, right? Right. He never would have done what he did if he hadn't. He changed, though. He repented. He changed. And then he was strong in putting it out. So how do you escape from animal magnetism? That seemed to be the key to this whole thing, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. I constantly know when you want Florence? No, but, but we are taught now who we are. We have the right view now. We had the wrong view all along. But now we have the right view. We must stay with it. Stand Porter at the door of thought and to just, you know, absolutely say no to the error that comes to convince you that you are such and such. And also I thought, you know, um, we don't care what we're doing, dishonoring God in, a, in going along with these errors that convince or try to convince us or tempt us that we are such and such. God could not con create any of this, uh, the error, the opposite that we are told we are. That's why we have him only tell us who we are. And we stay with who the, the right view now of what man is. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it requires constant diligence, doesn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And besides this, giving all diligence. So, yeah, that's what it takes. And we will focus on some of those qualities of God um, that are in the responsive reading this week. Anyone else that wanted to speak to the watching point? Well, it's uh, animal magnetism is, is just um, like it says in uh, individual, God is individual consciousness that it's, it's just a claim that there's a selfhood apart from God and um, you know, there just isn't. There's only one one power, one presence, and animal magnetism is just the suggestion that there's something other than the allness of God and that different and that separate selfhood that can be a sinner. But it, there's just it, it's powerless. Yes, and you stay with that, and you won't be a sinner. But if you don't stay with that, and you are a sinner, then you cannot claim all this <laughs> because this is the dipsy doodle thing that. Um, some Christian scientists do. They think they can do anything they want to, and I've heard this. They can do whatever they want to, but there's no sin and there's no evil, so therefore it doesn't matter. And of course, we know that is total hogwash, I shall say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is why science is different than New Age and other things. We have moral principles we must abide by if we want to stay in the Father's house and reap these wonderful benefits that we do as a child of God. Anyone else? All right, is Pilar here? Yes. Okay, Pilar, before we go any farther, Pilar was going to greet us in no. Spanish. Oh, that's right, that's right. Um, okay, buenos días a todos los participantes de esta reunión. Tengan un buen día. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice, thank you. And now tell us what you said. <laughs> good morning to all the participants to this reunion. Have a good day. Oh, very oh, nice. Yeah. Thank you. And, and please, is there any other who would like to greet us in a native tongue or a language you know well? We'd love to. Please volunteer. It's much better than hearing me slaughter <laughs> whatever I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you can tell me or Florence, right, Florence? 
Probably nobody here at this table would do a good job. No, 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 no. We're, we're, a, little too, we're a little too American. <laughs> Some of us struggle with English. Yes. <laughs> All right, our subject, Everlasting Punishment, and um, Lil, the Golden Text. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my strength, and my redeemer. This is such a beautiful prayer. Mm -hmm. Keep that with you. Um, I think that's what they're going to sing this morning, too, at the words of my mouth. It's a beautiful hymn of prayer. And then it goes along with it, that Psalm 51 in the lesson, another beautiful prayer of David to make me hear joy and gladness, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. When did when did David write that? After he committed adultery? Yes. After he made that that she was husband killed, yeah, and committed adultery with her, and after he had a child that died, an infant. Mm -hmm. So that's why the prayer is so meaningful because it came from the bottom of his heart, and it's how he how he repented changed his course and was able to carry on and do do good in his life but that repentance is most important you can't skip over it and it has to be sincere you can't be making the same mistake over and over and over that's why what is it that the catholics do they um, go see a Confession. confession yeah 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 but i've heard that they go and then and they confess and then they do it again and they confess and think they're off the hook it's all words all words yeah no we like having Christ- something to confess every sunday right yeah. <laughs> that's what a lot of christians do too they, they just do. think asking forgiveness <laughs> yeah absolves them and then they do whatever they want i was told that as a kid as long as you ask forgiveness right before you die all will be well huh. But if you don't do that, then you're in big trouble. <laughs> Which seems very wrong. I didn't know how to explain it. <laughs> because you can't explain it. I know. Um, Jeremy had the wisdom of a child. <laughs> I mean, uh, by that, a wonderful wisdom. He was always having to instruct his parents <laughs> as to as to what to do. And how to do it because they didn't seem to have that wisdom, did they? Well, they were only a couple of years older than I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were, that's true. He had a very, very young mother. And I guess father as well. So he, yeah, he had. The lead from the bottom, okay. That, that's right. And that does happen sometimes. And that's why we should always listen to our children, whatever they are saying. Listen, they're saying something. And and most of them have a pure heart. If it's been corrupted in any way, still listen. You can figure out what it is they need and or what it is you need to do. Mainly, it's it's you. So listen, 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 listen. And then in the golden text, where it says, besides this, giving all diligence, virtue, your knowledge. Temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Those are all beautiful qualities of God. I know one time in a, a Mrs. Evans class, we we looked all those words up and talked about them, and you can and should too. Some people think they come in a necessary sequence. Others just say that, well, it's just important that you embody those. And as Gary was saying earlier, these are the things that will keep you, well, this is how you escape from animal magnetism, right? By expressing these. Mm -hmm. So, and diligence, diligence is also in the lesson later. 
intelligence. No, actually, it's not. It's vigilant, but they're similar. Be watchful, sober, and vigilant. Well, Number five, responsible freedom. Right. Yeah. Giving all diligence. So what does that diligence mean? Or vigilant? Vigilance. Diligence means to be on your guard all the time. Yeah. Means to be all the time. Watchful. Watchful. Mm -hmm. You must care enough to be watchful. You must care to offend God. Yes. Him. Yep. Thank you, Florence. I think that's the key. If you really care about God, about the truth, about your fellow man, you will be diligent, won't you? Yeah. It's only if you don't care that you're going to get sloppy and lazy. Yeah, thank you for that. Because certainly apathy does feel like the opposite of vigilance. (laughs) (laughs) Vigilance sounds like it's uh, your whole heart. The one that Jesus said to love God, you know, for all your heart, your mind, your strength. I think it was him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think vigilance has a root, like an energy or liveliness to it. It does. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. There was something, I think, um, that, yeah, that that, um, Carrie sent from the Barnes Notes on the Bible. Well, this is virtue, but it's not a tame and passive thing. It requires great energy and boldness. For its very essence is firmness, manliness, and independence. Mm-hmm. And that's virtue, which is, is that on the list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is on the list. Add to your faith virtue. Yeah, so that, that you know, because what it, sometimes you think of a virtuous person as what, you know, like a nun and a... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I like, that's a great definition. When you're teaching your children to be virtuous... It's not tame and passive. It requires great energy, boldness. For its very essence is firmness, manliness, and independence. Like that, uh, Mary Baker Eddy describes the old Christians and the loved Christian science, and she talks about their boldness and standing for the truth and would not put up with anything that offended God. It's not how she put it. It was more beautiful how she put it. Yeah, no, but they were bold and spoke... They were loving and kind, but they didn't. They didn't fear speaking the truth, and and taking hold of the situation with the authority of Christ. Yes, um, we saw this week. Some of us saw the uh, the sequel to the seven churches of Revelation, the times of fire. This was the times of deception was the last four churches. It was being live-streamed over the weekend. Actually, it still is today at 1 o'clock Central Time, which (laughs) had me a little mixed up. Central Time. Um, If anyone still wants to watch it, you can. can. Yeah, I think it's PatternsofEvidence.com, I think. PatternsofEvidence.com. Yeah, I think that's where you had to go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. But it it was very interesting. I'm sure at some point they will come out with a DVD. But we have our Bible study in two weeks, too. But it was interesting. And in one of the things, I believe it was the Church of Sardis, and we'll talk about it more later, but it was a lot of the lack of watching. I think that's what Tomlinson says, too. You let down your guards, you're no longer diligent or vigilant, and all hell breaks loose. So this is why we watch, why it's such a major part of what we do. Our church, we've done it for over 40 years, and we will continue always to do it. And there's a, you know, there's a flip side to the nothingness of evil. The flip side is that somehow it tries to mimic good, yeah. mimic the truth, and get you to believe it and get you to follow it. And, you know, Mrs. Eddie somewhere says, uh, error nips at the heel of truth or something like that. But if you keep your heel on its head, 
it won't bite you. So that's it. You know, we have to acknowledge its claim, but not give it power. So we won't go through all of these qualities, but it, it is well to think about them and maybe look up their definitions, like that one on virtue. It's different than what you might think it is. And to make sure you are imbibing it. When you live that Christ, it is an uh, armor against all the darts of the air of the wicked, isn't it? It's complete protection for you. So, um, before we go into that, there was something I wanted to share. Now, um, Jeremy will put this on the website. Something that I had, I, I'm pretty sure Jim from Arizona had given it to me years ago. And came upon it recently and this is the 91st psalm according to bliss knapp his interpretation of it but there's one part that i love so much and it it refers to for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways they shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone and then he says this is another lovely promise read it again and again nothing could be more exquisite he shall give his angels charge over thee. This is meant for you and me. Make this promise the subject of your thought every day for a month. Think about it. Realize it. Charge over thee. Think of this promise. Charge over thee. And your entire life will be changed. You will be uplifted. You are in charge of angels and will be safe. Guarded in all ways health, food, clothing, all the necessities of life, kept from fear of all kind, danger of all kind, a wonderful promise, a thought to keep one smiling, happy, well, strong, vital, young, day in and day out for the rest of your life. <laughs> that is so beautiful. That's why, you know, when people want more and more statements of truth, just take ones you have mm -hmm. and expand on them think about them use them this is so beautiful and that word charge command given in the name of god to give instructions to to instruct authoritatively to the person or thing like an angel committed to another's care custody or management a trust charge over thee his angels are going to have charge over thee it's a wonderful promise and as the hymn says god's promises are kept thank you i love that because every day when you ask okay what do i do next you always get the answer you always come and that's it let you know so <laughs> and living with that truth will spare you many things you don't have to take a fall or have a bad experience when you're knowing this that his angels are, char are in charge over you constantly working with it knowing it it's just a small thought to think about but that's why that 91st psalm and mrs eddie had great regard for it is so invaluable and we do have the liberator full of articles about it as well all right let's see now then we have um the wonderful story of uh Saul being converted to Paul. And before we get into that, well, we had a watching point, or not a watching point, a watch message this week, because I think it's so significant and it's happening today that there are these conversions going on. People from the worst situations are being visited. Angel visitants, angels charge over thee. You can know this about any loved one you have that you're worried about. Um, it's all through the Bible, isn't it, where they were having angel visitants? And it still goes on. We hear about it in people in, in prisons. Or I heard recently two cases of someone, family member, just life being ruined with drugs. And something happened. They had some kind of vision or a dream, an angel visitant. And it changed them, and they turned to God. This is the way 
this is the, the way to heal the world, not to, I mean, we know error destroys itself, yes. But as we read in that watching point, we're not about destroying people. People are the child of God. They're, they're being duped or they're in, a, they're in a sleep. So work with this always and know, you know, the Christians call it a great awakening, a revival. We saw that, maybe we talked about this before, but the, the wonderful movie Woodlawn that Craig gave us, this was the second time we saw it. And wasn't that, that's what happened, right? Yes. Yes. They saw the era of their ways. I mean, they're fighting and arguing amongst themselves because of color. <laughs> they knew that was wrong. They, they, the Christ presented to them, and they had a wonderful revival, thousands. It started with a football team, but it ended up with thousands being awakened. And then this was something interesting that came to my attention this week. In New Jersey, the word freeling Frelingheisen. Now uh, we have a Dutch member named Jacob. Jacobus, I guess, is how you pronounce it. He would know how to pronounce this correctly, but I'll say Frelingheisen. <laughs> anyway, it's a fairly common name in New Jersey. By that I mean there are various things that are named after Frelingheisen. But I never knew who Frelingheisen was. So this says Theodorus Jacobus Frelingheisen came from the Netherlands to the province of New Jersey in 1720. He was an evangelizing Dutch Reformed minister during the First Great Awakening, one of the fearless missionaries of the First Great, great Awakening in America. He trained young men for the clergy, often ordaining them without permission. Freelinghuysen actually served as a per Percuser, percuser of the First Great Awakening, where his evangelistic contributions culminated in a regional awakening within the Middle Colonies. His ministry was greatly assisted by the efforts of, the, of Gilbert Tennant and George Whitefield, their known Christians from the past. Notably, none other than Jonathan Edwards himself credited Frelinghuysen with the beginning of the awakening in New Jersey. And then this is a quote. But this shower of divine blessing has been more, has been more There was no small degree of divine blessing in some parts of the Jerseys. Under the ministry of a very pious young gentleman, a Dutch minister, whose name, as I remember, was Frelinghuysen. End quote. That was, I guess, John Edwards. Freelingheisen's effort led to the charter in 1766 of Queens College in New Brunswick, now Rutgers University, and Freelingheisen Hall on the New Brunswick campus of Rutgers is named after him. The first great awakening symbolized by Freelinghuysen is coming to churches and leaders again today. Well, here I've lived in New Jersey all my life, pretty much, and I never knew that. And I thought, I've heard about it. I mean, it's not just New Jersey. It's in all these states. Every, you all come from states and countries where there have been great awakenings going on. And when these great awakenings go on, they plant seeds. What is that one? I remember the one, Florence, what's the name of that one? We talk about suit. In Azusa Street. Zoo, Azusa Street. Yes. Yes. Angelus. The effects of that is still is still going on. Yeah. The seeds are planted. And who knows? Maybe it was this seed that was planted so many years ago in the seventeen hundreds that resulted in this church here. The Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent rising up. And all of these diligent and vigilant workers, which is what it takes to carry it on. People can do it for a week or a month or maybe a couple of years, but for 40 years, something different. You've got to have a great love for Mrs. Eddy and for the science and set your face like a flint to Jerusalem. So I thought that was interesting because with Saul's conversion to Paul, he had a great awakening, didn't he? Yes. One of the, um, we had some beautiful things sent from uh, 
carry this week. And one of them about Paul said he, he was fasting. Those three days he was blind. He was pretty much fasting, right? He had to just mm-hmm. face his own. What was it that kind of triggered all this with Paul? Do you remember? Was it the death of Stephen? Yes. I think Stephen. Yes. Stephen. And what happened with Stephen? And who was Stephen? Stephen was a member of the early church that, um, you know, he was one of the ones that really had a lot of, you know, power in Christ and had gone about, you know, doing his thing and made a name for himself, which is why Paul and everyone came after him. That's true. And then when he was being stoned to death, led by Paul, or Paul was part of it, what happened? He forgave them. Yeah, he, he forgave them. He saw the angel. His face was like an angel. Yes. Yes. And that had such an effect on Saul. Yeah, and Saul. Yeah. And that is why you must never forget the importance of your example. It speaks much louder than words. What you do, how you act, your neighbors, friends, colleagues family members they're noticing what you're doing they're watching who knows when that will bear fruit and if it's not yet it will just like this going on in New Jersey all these years and here I I never heard that story and I should why isn't that taught in the books in school And as I've said, I do know Newark was the new Ark of the Covenant. That was the name of Newark, new Ark of the Covenant. And Plainville was known as for the city of churches. I was thinking today, you know, in some regards, what what has happened to America in many ways. We've had such great freedom here. Originally, we were thought as the New Jerusalem. Was, it was started on yeah. all the foundations of of God and prayer, but when with great freedom, also be what happens with great freedom? There must be what great responsibility. Yes, great responsibility. You cannot consume it upon your lusts, and where we see the blighted areas and the troubles going on, it's where it has been consumed upon its lust, and God is not in that picture. Where it hasn't, and people have been diligent and following God the best they can, what happens is tremendous. And thank God that is also still happening here. But, um, you know, some of these cities now that are seem blighted, but that doesn't mean anything because <laughs> the seeds are growing, really, and who knows what'll, what will transpire. Anything's possible. Again, the conversion. Pray for that. There'll be an awakening from the from the worst sinner, the one who's well, he was persecuting the Christians, to the one, you know, drowning in drugs and other things, to the ones in the prison cells, the 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 gangs. All of these people, when God visits, tremendous thing can happen. Yeah, Parthens years ago had sent this video about this man that was in prison. He was uh, a Muslim. He never even heard of, he said he never heard of Jesus, never never even contemplated the thought of forgiveness. But when he got that visit, and said all that, and it completely changed his life. Mm-hmm. I believe he's, he's a Christian pastor in, in Canada now. <laughs> so. I, do, I do, I remember that part. Mm-hmm. Of it. Yep. And, yeah. and you can look for him on YouTube. They're all over people who had had this something coming over them that's changed them in a, in a moment, right? In a, mm-hmm. in a mo- and if you get, if you watch that video, get ready to cry. Cause it's gonna, yeah. Gonna get you. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. One of the things in that um, seven days of revelation that we saw, it was the city of Laodicea. Laodicea. Yeah. Laodicea. They commented because the ruins there, 
and two huge theaters, right? Mm. And and they had them. So whatever time of day you could go and watch something, an amusement park, in other words, great amusement. Um, and and part of that was certainly its downfall. That's why. Be, we, we must be careful about what we consider to be our amusement, just mm-hmm. idle amusement. How we use our time and money. Exactly. Thank you. That was one of the questions that was put to the, the dear Frenchman who produced this movie, who at the end of the, or the documentary, they, there were some so-called Christian leaders that they were talking to, and one of them was the, the Frenchman. And what was the question? Oh. Well, how to take your temperature to see whether you were actually lukewarm or oh, hot right. or cold. Or, and he said that he thought the one way to check is to ask yourself, how are you using your time? And your love for God, too, and your passion. But how do you, how do you use your time and how are you using your money? And so th- that was so good. That's a way you can ask yourself. You know, the, am I lukewarm? Yeah, are you lukewarm? <laughs> or am I hot or cold? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will spew you out. I will spew you out, yes. How do you spend your extra time? How do you how do you spend your money? Those are two very important points. And they say a lot about you. <laughs> say a lot about you. Yeah. It shows that the, the reformation must take place. It's not just God forgives me as I'm I accept. I accept wholeheartedly, and now I repent and re- re- reform. You know, it's doing it different now. Thank you very much. A- and you and you want to. You've had that's the grace, the com- the amazing grace that comes over you. You want to. You want to do this. That it's all left behind. <clears throat> There are beautiful um, articles can be put on the carousel. I know uh, Carrie sends them to you, Jeremy. So once true satisfaction by Ella Hogue, because a lot of these I can't get into all of it. Self-denial by Chadwick and Paul's demonstration by a Sophie Stoltz. But um, one of the things in true satisfaction, because where are you getting your satisfaction, right? And if it's not in God, then there's, um, something quite not right and, and there's a quote this beautiful quote from Mrs. Eddy pulpit and press press page three the river of his pleasures is a tributary of divine love whose living waters have their source in God and flow into everlasting life we drink of this river when all human desires are quenched satisfied with what is pleasing to the divine mind. This is Eddie. And so, yes, therein is found true satisfaction. Otherwise, you're looking in vain, including spending days in amusement parks or other things. I don't, you know, I personally don't care for them, but I don't mind other people I know do like them. As long as you don't make a god of them, I think Carpenter was once asked that question. I believe it was his daughter asked yeah, it, yeah. right? Right. If pleasure was wrong. when If pleasure was wrong, and what was his answer? As long as it didn't take you away from God. Yes. As long as it doesn't take you away from God. And many of these things, you know, you can become closer to God, certainly, or close to God. I'm not necessarily saying amusement parks, but but sometimes walks in nature, other things you like to do. Um, If you're communing with God, just don't let it, don't let it become a God. So, so the true satisfaction, we must find that in God. And then um, self-denial, this was the one by C.W. Chadwick. And, He says, mortal man for a brief space of time surmises a way of his own, finds pleasure and satisfaction in things pertaining to the world, resorts to worldly policies, is controlled by them, loses sight of the golden rule of justice and honesty, and caters to public opinion, only to surrender at last to the truth whose ways are not man's ways, 
he reaches eventually through multiplied trials and experiences where he can say with the wise man, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Up to this point, he has been traveling his own road and seeing thousands upon thousands going in the same direction. He has mistakenly said, my way is right, when everything was moving, moving along smoothly. Earth's possessions increasing and public opinion endorsing. Truth came to this deceived one and said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But the desire for the good was smothered, hence the reply, Go thy way for this time, and let me go mine. It was no effort to love the world in its ways, but to depart from it involved adherence to principle, which principle demanded self-denial. Therefore, it was rejected. With this mortal, there was something at stake. In his own estimation, there was something to be lost in the denial of self, and he did not care to be the loser. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And that's why we say the path is what? To God. Straight, Straight and, and narrow. narrow. Yeah. yeah, it's not this wide, big highway. Thank you for that. It reminds me, again, of what Mrs. Eddie said of Jesus and retrospection and introspection, that he had holy humility, unworldliness, and self-abandonment. So I That's love that. beautiful. I'm thinking of that a lot. <laughs> so. Thank you for remembering that. That's beautiful. And this goes along with uh, another will say, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. That was one Mrs. Evans talked about a lot because so easy. I'm just not ready yet, you know, maybe down the road. I just need to suffer more. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and they will. They will, and that's the thing. They can continue, but eventually it will blow up, won't it? It will. It can't help but because if it's not of God, it will. I like that. You know, the pearl of great price when Jesus was speaking on certain amount, those people were ready I think to hear and he spoke directly he says when you find that pearl the man goes and sells all he has to come get it <clears throat> then he then has something yes he really does so um, and then the article by uh, Paul's demonstration speaks about you have to go jeremy <laughs> never mind okay go ahead um about about the the condemnation you know and how paul could have indulged in condemnation you do feel badly for a while that's bond and purpose but then you've got to get on with it right you can't just let it drag you down so um i was going to speak a little bit you know someone David on the forum asked the question, you know, about where Kimball says, very often scientists are the most confused people on earth. <laughs> the material universe is nothing and represents nothing, while spirit is everything, but we seemingly have to live in the material. And then he says he's confused also. So, and I, I remember I spoke to him about this, but sometimes this is a hard thing to get. So, uh, Jeremy quoted some good things. All of you wrote good things on the forum. I wish I could spend more time on it, but anyone want to answer that question? Yeah. Sure. Curation science, the most confused people on earth. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. This feels like that they are seeking but they have not found you know, they, they maybe they know something but they don't really have a grasp yet and trying to live two worlds two, two things mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't have this and that and 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 have your sanity actually so <laughs> that's beautiful thank you craig well what does betty say about matter you can And have all that's left of it. I mean, yeah, take away. Um, there's no life, truth, intelligence, or substance in matter. So, I mean, if you're looking for something real, 
in matter. You're, you're going to you're going to have a long, long search. <laughs> and it's what yeah, I mean, it's what we see with our eyes, but but we should be we, we should be seeing with our spiritual sense. It's what we hear with our ears, but we should be listening with our spiritual sense. And does and does you know does matter tell us anything that's useful? No. Yeah, and in questions and answers, I think Mrs. Eddy addresses it, saying, "Well, how do you even know we're in this condition? Only by, only by your material senses." So, in other words, the whole thing is is delusion. But I know that's hard, perhaps, to understand that. But if you, if you're working through this science, you will. I know as I progress in science, I understand it more and more. It, it it doesn't mean that much. Um, and she even, you know, Mrs. Eddy even advises us, we shouldn't talk about the nothingness of matter until you're ready to actually prove it. Because yeah. it inflames, you know, infuriates mortal mind, which is where most people are. And why turn them off unnecessarily? It is the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that is life. So let's work on that so that we feel it, so that it's real in our lives, because it heals everything. And then, you know, you, we, we will grow into a better understanding of the elusiveness of material sense. You know, work with something more simple, like he's giving his angels charge over you, and, and then grow in your understanding. Start off with the more simple things, and then you'll progress. Carol? And it's the scientific statement of being. We're not seeing, what we're seeing is what we think we're seeing. It's, it's the beauty of God, but that's the way we see it now. And as we grow and we learn, we see more of the beauty of God and not the the nastiness that comes along with the material senses. Thank you. Yes, that's something I often think of. We see through a glass darkly, but soon we will see face to face. Right now, we, yeah. We Florence, it. Florence, you were saying this. Yeah, the scientific statement. Yeah, to me, the scientific statement of being, that's why teachers teaches us that and teach, teach the children that. Because that repeatedly was something we have to cling to, not just say by as if it's one of those blah 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 quick like that, but say thinking about it mm -hmm. continually. That changes. It's the spirit that will tell us who we are, who reveal to us really who we are. Thank you. There is um, a beautiful article, another Bicknell Young one called Idea. Um, he says, awakening from a false sense, from the illusion of life and matter, is a blessing, not an affliction, even if it may be painful. It is always a blessing to be undeceived. This is how we sometimes grow out of this illusion by our suffering. Then he says, evil, disease, sin are never destroyed in the usual meaning of that word because evil, disease, and sin are never something. They appear to be destroyed by the scientific perception that good is the only entity and that error, whatever its name or nature, is a false sense or ignorance of good. To deny evil as evil, to make statements of truth which one thinks will do something to an error, is to build it up. We deny evil because there is no evil. And that's true of matter, too. And that's what sometimes people, it goes on. It's a wonderful article. We'll put that on the website, too. People build up their problems because they're trying to get rid of something, okay? I've got to get rid of this thing. And they build it up. And sometimes it even gets worse. You're not trying to get rid of something. You're trying to acknowledge the allness. I shouldn't use that word trying. You are acknowledging the allness of God. God is all. And that will raise you up. And everything that's not of God will disappear into its native nothingness. 
These are very important points. But our bell has run, rung, and Gary will end with again something that. Uh, Just the answer. Yeah, something that Carrie found. This is from, a, uh, yes, thank you, Carrie. This is from an article by Joseph Alden entitled The Road to Damascus from uh, one of the periodicals, 1915 Sentinel. I quote, We may readily suppose that there was dread among the Christians in Damascus when it became known that Saul a powerful member of the great Sanhedrin and an uncompromising enemy of the Christian sect was on his way to the city to arrest such of them as he could find evidence against, to take them bound to Jerusalem, there to be tried before the ecclesiastical court. Accustomed though they were to the sneers and taunts and indignities heaped upon them by the people of Damascus, Many stout hearts doubtless quailed before the announcement of Saul's approach. His reputation for unbending judgment had preceded him. He came armed with a high priest's commission and accompanied by a soldier band. He spared none and granted no quarter. The day appointed for Saul's arrival came and went in Damascus, but Saul was not seen. The Christians paused as they met to question each other of the probable cause of his non-appearance. Had he abandoned his proposed trip? Or had he simply stopped on his way to visit swift vengeance upon some other city in his path? Had he been detained in Jerusalem? Or had some more important duty claimed his first attention? Was Damascus to be spared now only to receive the dread visitation at a later time? One day there appeared in the synagogues of Damascus a new disciple of the Nazarene. Unheralded he came, yet he had the air of one in authority. His face glowed in the reflected light of an inner vision. Upon his brow sat dignity and learning. His speech was golden with words of truth and soberness. His bearing was that of one accustomed to be obeyed. But in his look, there was kindness and justice and mercy. When he spoke, he commanded quick attention, for his message burned with earnestness and power. It was Paul, the ambassador of Christ, come to Damascus on a mission of peace and goodwill. Paul departed from Jerusalem, the proud defender of an empty ritualism. He came to Damascus, the humble expounder of a living faith. Yesterday, he bore the haughty title of Pharisee. Today, he wears the simple livery of the humble Nazarene. End quote. Beautiful conversion. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.